Do you speak crowd lending? Welcome to our podcast covering the crowd lending industry. Our mission is to provide you with all the insights from this market and help you make informed decisions. I'm Gassen, co-founder and CEO of Acredius. We are a crowd lending platform based in Zurich, Switzerland. I'm delighted to host this podcast and hopefully bring value to all our listeners. Hi everyone, welcome to Do You Speak Crowd Lending? This is episode number nine and I'm very happy today to uh, welcome Evita Runa, uh, partner, global head of fintech practice at Peterson and Partners. Uh, Evita is actually recognized by Forbes as one of the top 25 most influential women in Latvia for two years in a row. Congrats, uh, Evita, for that. Um, welcome to this uh, Do Speak Crowdfunding podcast. And please tell us more about yourself. Thank you so much, Gaston, for having me. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, yes, um, I'm a partner at Pedersen Partners, which is an executive search company with a unique focus on emerging markets. So we have business in uh, 50 countries. And uh, so what's so special about us is that we are uh, very big in Southeast Asia, Latin America, uh, Middle East, and uh, Africa. And, and the rest uh, is, is probably, in terms of geography, uh, similar to the others. And I am a co-owner of this company at a group level. So I own a share in uh, 50 uh, smaller companies all around the world. And since a couple of years now, I focus on uh, FinTech as my core uh, expertise and interest. So um, I work with clients like uh, online lenders, marketplaces, crowdfunding platforms, challenger banks, merchant acquirers, um, and so on. So these are all modern and new companies. And uh, I'm 15 years in this business, uh, and I have completed um, totally about 400 executive search assignments uh, during the last year. So these have been only fintech assignments, I, I would say, like, about 125 senior fintech assignments. Mm -hmm. And exactly for fintech, um, this has been in uh, more than 40 countries. So that's my brief uh, uh, exposure to fintech and including crowd lending a little bit. Wow, that's great. So why fintech? What made you choose this industry? Yes, I, I think that um, you, you can be successful if uh, you work with people and uh, companies uh, where you have a, a good match of values. So, and I found that uh, uh, this challenger approach, uh, this thinking outside the box, daring, uh, experimenting, disrupting what has been in the past, focusing on uh, self-development, using the latest technologies that, is, that are available. So these uh, values click with me very well. Also, being many years in the business, I, I got tired of too much of corporate uh, behaviors that are required if you work uh, with large corporations as a, uh, as a provider of services. And uh, with fintechs, you can behave uh, authentic. And uh, I got uh, a lot of inspiration from entrepreneurs who have a vision, who uh, really are uh, determined to achieve something. And... Uh, Many uh, have such creative uh, and innovative ideas that are definitely very in inspirational. And I see that I, I am taking part in something uh, 
big something that didn't exist before, uh, like improving liquidity when we are talking about yeah. crowd lending or generally like financing. So things are changing, giving access to people that uh, didn't have uh, such services before. Uh, some clients are involving unbanked populations. So it's nice mission to, to be associated with. Okay, so you're basically driven by the mission of fintech and lending yes. in general. So that's, if I summarize it, that's what made you also be interested in crowdlending, right? Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's this mission opportunity and also the cultural match with uh, fintech entrepreneurs, which is, which is close to me rather than large corps. Excellent. So speaking of uh, about crowdlending, so how is the crowdlending landscape in the Baltic region? Yes, so the Baltics is uh, very proud <laughs> with some uh, really interesting developments. For example, we have uh, Mintos, which is one of the largest crowdfunding platforms in continental Europe. So after, after some big platforms in the UK, in terms of volume, in terms of reach and scope, uh, Mintos is the largest one. And the company is only four years uh, old and it's uh, based uh, in Riga. You need to give us more insights on that part now. <laughs> yes, yes. So by now they, they have serviced uh, in terms of total uh, uh, volume, $3 billion. Uh, so during these uh, four or five years since uh, their inception. So that's, uh, I would say, fantastic result for, for a young startup from Latvia. Yeah. And they, uh, of course, focus on accepting investment from Western Europe and other affluent markets and uh, onboarding loan originators from all around the world. And of course, uh, many of them are focusing subprime uh, wow. loans. And uh, so these are from emerging markets. So it's a very interesting venture which connects lenders with the, with the borrowers. And it's, uh, you know, be, being from Riga, uh, where we don't have uh, either extremes of those, so either <laughs> You know, many investors or, or so many borrowers, we, yeah. we are in middle income or middle higher income, but yeah. still that you can make such venture from Riga. Yeah. And then we also have uh, Vino, which is uh, also among the biggest uh, ones in, in continental Europe. They, they don't uh, plug in uh, other loan originators in their platform, yeah. but uh, they serve their own uh, loan book. And then, for instance, in Estonia, there are very strong sites, uh, so such as uh, Estate Guru, Crowd Estate, Bondora. Uh, so they have all service like uh, they are all servicing like tens of millions um, every year. So 25 million, 40 million, 50 million of investors' money. So these are uh, sizable platforms for a small place like uh, Baltics. But in in your opinion, what 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 made that region be very attractive to, to investors so to make these numbers I mean how <laughs> yes yes so first of all uh, similar to Nordics also also Baltic states uh, we are very uh, digitally savvy so we have a digital signature you can yeah. you know do lots of business without uh, leaving your your room so everything is possible online so it's a it's a natural place for uh, making such uh, new developments from entrepreneurs' perspective. Uh, and then our main weakness, obviously, in the Baltic states is that we are extremely small. So there are only 2 million inhabitants in, in Latvia and 1.5 in Estonia and uh, mm -hmm. 2.5 or 3 in Lithuania. So this is a very small region. And therefore, if you 
um, want to make a company, you cannot design a business model servicing only five, six million people. So if they, the investment will never be justified. So when you design a business model, you automatically make it uh, international. So that's uh, even when, when uh, I sometimes participate as a mentor in some incubators and accelerators, there's a very strong push and clear message that if you want to make a tech business out of the Baltics, it must be international. So um, it is in the uh, inception of all these platforms that they should uh, reach volumes and these are impossible to reach uh, by staying in local markets. And if you open up, then you are as big as, as the world uh, will see you thanks to digital capabilities. Okay. So you would, I would summarize, maybe is it like you, you, you guys out there are very, very digital savvy, you're used to technology, so it makes it, and you have to go international. So this mix makes you um, kind of attractive to, uh, to, uh, to investors and crowding in general. Or, or is it, yeah, so that's, is it, is it right what I'm saying, or do you have more input on, the, on that side? Uh, yes, and of course we can continue that in the Baltics, uh, people are extremely well educated, so most of people have higher education and you have very good schools where you have uh, young uh, leaders graduating with excellent knowledge in technology and mathematics, so uh, it's a good place to, uh, to be like a hub for fintech startups. And they, they are all educated, so we, we all speak uh, three languages, uh, like uh, each ethnical language and then two foreign languages at least. And so, and uh, plus with all these countries being small and open, uh, this is a good platform to do international business. Otherwise, you have uh, no choice. You can, of course, go into some far farming activity or, or, or knitting or... or something like this, but <laughs> if you want to do some, some business and make interesting career, you, you better make it international uh, from the Baltics. That's clear, that's clear. So coming back to crowd lending, how is the current crisis, so we, in perspective we are today on May 26, uh, 2020, how is the current crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, affecting crowd yes. market? Yes, so uh, definitely it's a, it's a very uh, good question because uh, COVID is something which none of us has ever seen uh, before and uh, so luckily we, we can see kind of an end of it but, but crowdfunding has been uh, um, in, uh, affected in, in two major ways. So first is negative that uh, obviously uh, lots of investors are panicking and pulling out uh, money so um, Therefore, uh, even, even the good platforms have to uh, make some adjustments, they have to lay off people, uh, they have to be very careful with the loan originators that are connected to the platform, because of course the uh, uh, loan books uh, are affected yeah. negative. If we are talking about uh, subprime lending especially, and then what was near prime may become now sub subprime, and what was subprime may become very poor uh, loan book. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the first reaction of investors has been uh, rather that they want to sell whatever they have or take out money, uh, so that's that's negative. And now the situation has been stabilized and most of um, platforms have adjusted their operating models to new situations, so after this series of layoffs and cost-cutting, they 
continue the business and um, the life is going on, probably not with such uh, exponential growth as it was before, but the business mm-hmm. continues. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's like first a negative effect. And then we also had some, uh, I would say, positive effect, uh, which we can continue later to discuss. But uh, there have been some platforms which uh, have been uh, shut down uh, because they were not professional or uh, they had some unjustified uh, business models. Mm-hmm. So we had at least three in the Baltics uh, from wow. the total. Mm-hmm. ecosystem which uh, don't exist anymore and that was uh, due to covid situation great great thank you for these insights now if we get back so let's uh, let's put our ourselves in the shoes of a beginner uh, investor that is interested in this asset class or crowd lending what uh, what would be your main advice to this kind of investor Yes, so uh, for sure, uh, these uh, platforms that we are discussing are run by entrepreneurs. So my first uh, uh, suggestion would be not to look uh, too much in marketing, but rather than who uh, runs this platform, I would uh, look carefully whom I trust my money, who is owner and who are top leaders. So it's it's not bad to know. And we have also seen during this crisis that... uh, Uh, Some of the platforms uh, are very professional in marketing that you are excited about the project, you like commercial uh, and you are passionate to invest. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would be uh, careful because anyone can hire a great marketing company and make a nice campaign about the project. Mm -hmm. I would look uh, on uh, rather the underwriting approach, uh, whether they have professional people, if we are talking about, for instance, SME financing or real estate financing, especially like real estate. So mm-hmm. whether these are real estate professionals on the ground and, and who they are and how they underwrite these projects. Yeah. Uh, for, um, for consumer lending, uh, obviously the machines underwrite projects. So then I would look at... Uh, Again, professionals, if I don't see, if I can't find uh, who are their top leaders, uh, who is their chief risk officer uh, and things like that, if they hide it, then I would be, uh, of course, careful with uh, investment. Great, great. And I also want to raise this point. Uh, yes, please. I have obviously participated in uh, various interesting groups uh, in social media and uh, Facebook and Telegram and, and uh, lots of chats and so on. And I also uh, attended and heard your previous podcast about uh, diversification. Yeah. Uh, so that's an interesting argument because, uh, with, uh, of course, we all know that if you have investments, you don't put all eggs in one basket. That's basic principle. And, of course, uh, I would allocate only part of my extra money to crowdfunding. Yeah. But um, also within that... Um, I have heard arguments that if you know that there is like one or two good platforms in the market, mm-hmm. then um, you know better keep your money there rather than split and diversify, leaving some part, small part with one or two platforms, but then diversifying and investing in, in bad platforms just because of diversification. So that is something which uh, has to be 
applied with a certain care in, in crowd lending. It's not such it's not such a straightforward yeah. application that I would just split between ten different platforms. But if only one is uh, credible, so why to split them? So that's an, one one interesting argument about how to invest. Really interesting point. So diversify but focus. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, and and there are of course plenty of uh, bloggers who analyze. And yeah. uh, you have you you can also if if, if there is something suspicious, uh, then uh, just don't invest for the sake of diversification. Also, um, when it comes to SME and uh, real estate financing, I would look carefully if owner doesn't have a conflict of interest that uh, owner invites. Yeah, I have objective crowd lending platform. These are fantastic projects, uh, and I have created this great vehicle for liquidity. And then uh, you start analyzing, and then you realize that uh, these projects are very much associated with the owner himself or herself. Yeah. So that's a conflict of interest. You don't uh, organize a stock exchange where you are trading and put all, all of your companies uh, on the trading list. But that is still what is uh, what some of uh, crowdfunding owners are, are doing. So I would try to look into this matter as well. Great, great. That's that's really great advice. So just we're about to finish here. What would be the main advantages of this asset class from an investor perspective? In your opinion? Yes, so uh, definitely it is um, from investor perspective, it is uh, direct decision making and uh, complete uh, freedom and, and liberty to invest uh, wherever I want uh, in international markets, for example. Like, yeah, we have in, in, the, in the Baltic platforms, we have so many uh, investors from Germany, from Netherlands, from United States. So. It just uh, enables this international liquidity of uh, capital, so that's very attractive. And of course, um, that, that uh, we know that in uh, in Europe, deposit rates are so low and uh, uh, sometimes even negative. So there is a lot of money uh, sleeping in bank accounts or uh, under the bed, <laughs> wherever people keep their money. Who knows? So it's a nice opportunity to uh, let money work. And um, also, uh, of course, lots of people are seeing it as a short-term exposure to uh, make extra money uh, as a like, side income to feel a little bit of entrepreneurial spirit and, uh, and experiment with this new uh, tool. So, of course, I wouldn't uh, ever suggest to sell everything and put on uh, crowd lending unless this is uh, your, your mission and then you want to make a new company yourself. But uh, as, as investor, I would, of course, uh, see it as a as, as great opportunity to make your money uh, work, which is sometimes difficult if you don't have this week. Excellent. Thank you very much also for these insights. We come down to our last question, which is uh, a little bit... Uh, it's very related to crowd lending, which is we are really interested here in knowing what's your favorite route. <laughs> yes, so um, uh, probably lots of people are coming with a list of very exotic and unknown and special fruit, but uh, I will, as being in, <laughs> in fintech, I will give you an authentic and honest answer that I uh, like. Um, wild apples from <laughs> my parents' garden. <laughs> wow. 
That's fine too. <laughs> Wild apples from your parents' garden. These are, this is very, very specific. So thank you very much for sharing. <laughs> apples, you know, they say one apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? So it's still good advice. So Evita, anything you want to add? Well, uh, I, I want to definitely praise you for starting a company and uh, I, I wish you and the whole industry great success. Um, I, I believe that there are uh, international reports and forecasts which say that this will be uh, exponentially growing industry. So I believe that, that you guys are uh, on the right path. So good luck to you and to your companions and uh, followers. So all the best. Thank you very much, Evita. Thanks a lot for being part of uh, of this uh, podcast and for sharing your insights. So thank you everyone for listening to us and goodbye. See you on the next day. Bye. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks again for staying with us until the end. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media so you never miss an episode. Please don't hesitate to send us your questions and comments at agredius.ch. Thank you.